Hi, I'm Debbie Georgianis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about latest leftist lunacy conflating climate and race. Meet Benji Gershon and the founder of the Dallas Jewish Conservatives joining me in studio. Tucker's J6 tapes are just ruining everything. And Mike Pence struggle for relevance. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. And hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. There was some testimony in Congress recently that I wanted to comment on, and it relates to the actual hearing in Congress was supposed to be about the question of whether or not it was wise or appropriate or necessary uh, to drain our oil reserves as President Biden has done and to kind of set policy moving forward. What do we do about the, you know, the, the petroleum reserves that are supposed to be really uh, in safekeeping for emergencies? So that was the purpose of the hearing. Because as you likely know, President Biden has used our uh, petroleum uh, reserve, which is, as I say, intended for emergencies, uh, sent off to other countries, drained down to fight inflation, and viewed by many to be a very, very dangerous situation. So they had an actual expert in Congress um, who was to be there, called by the Republicans, to talk about this issue. And he was basically going to talk about, you know, the dangers of uh, having that be such a low supply um, and what should be done uh, to deal with it. And so he, this, this expert, his name is Alex, I believe it's Alex Epstein, um, and he was basically, he's a fossil fuel advocate. He's there to talk about the importance of fossil fuels in America and not having our uh, national reserves drain so low. So he is there to testify. Well, he was asked questions by a Democrat member of Congress. She's actually, she is a Democrat. She's also a member of the Democrat Socialists of America. So she's not even denying she's a socialist. Um, her name is Cori Bush, and she represents a state, uh, a, a district in the state of Missouri. So her opening questioning, when she had the opportunity to ask him questions whether or not it was justifiable for President Biden to have uh, drained our crucial oil reserves or not, she instead launched off on a tirade, essentially making the argument that if you support fossil fuels, you are a racist. And, and you know, I'm going to get into a moment why it's more, worse than lunacy. I named this segment lunacy, and it's worse than lunacy. But that's what she went off on, calling him uh, a white supremacist, and she's insisting on the support of fossil fuels being essentially tied to being a racist. She also, as this gentleman is waiting, she has no question pending. She's just lecturing him uh, during this nationally publicized hearing. So she's lecturing him about white supremacy and fossil fuels are evil, and why won't the Democrat, why won't the Republicans join in, you know, banning fossil fuels? So she's lecturing him about that. And then she turned to something uh, that he'd written in a college newspaper, and which is, has been one of his causes, really, uh, in his adult life, which is essentially defending Western civilization, Western culture, and its unique commitment to individual freedom. And he's talking about, in some college thing, college article he wrote, saying essentially, yeah, you know, I defend Western culture, and I think the classes that we have about other cultures should not be saying, should not be equating, you know, Western civilization, West, Western culture, commitment to the rule of law and individual liberty and, the, and freedom of the individual, all that stuff, it shouldn't be equated with the quality of other cultures in world history, other cultures, other countries, and that was his point. She lambasted him and went on and on complaining about the idea that his view of Western civilization is racist. And I'm raising the point in the first five to make just a couple of points about what's happening here. Uh, number one, it used to be in most, most American colleges and universities, there was a course on Western civilization. And it was not talking about race, ethnicity, national origin, or skin color. It was about the ideas that root, that are based in Western civilization, that are unique to Western cultures, which is this commitment to rule of law, 
applicable law available and uh, applying to every individual. It's also about the idea that mankind, men and women, have a fundamental right to live in freedom. And that this notion of government, as our Declaration in America recounts, as our Constitution was designed to protect, the notion is individuals have the right to live in freedom. It's a God-given right, as the Declaration recites, God-given right to live in freedom, to have life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. And this is a core idea of Western civilization, equally applicable to any person of any race, ethnicity, national origin, or skin color. She's making the argument, Cori Bush is, you can't support Western civilization as superior to other tribal organizations of society or other versions of cultural organization or else you're a racist. So he, Alex Epstein, later was able to, uh, he had an interview on Laura Ingram and basically said this is outrageous. And he made the point, which I think he made in the hearing too, the idea that if you don't think that every individual, because regardless of their race, ethnicity, national origin, or skin color, if you don't think every individual is entitled to the notion of rule of law, rule of law, same law applicable to all, the right to live in freedom, then I think that's racist. I think people actually have the right to live in freedom. It's a God-given right, and Western civilization got it right in trying to elevate that right. So I want to it went on from there, and I'm not going to spend much more time talking about it, except I want to tell you how I think what's happening on this issue regarding uh, climate change and fossil fuels, the left is losing the argument with the American people about climate change, about the extreme measures they want to go to, about whether there really is a massive climate alarm that's going to you know, cause us all to burn up or freeze to death tomorrow. As more people become more informed and more information comes out, the leftist climate alarmists are losing the hold, their hold on the issue. So instead of being willing, as you would if you actually believed in something based on facts, unless you're because they don't want to have to review the data acknowledge the extremely minuscule portion of our earth's atmosphere that is comprised of co2 minuscule portion and how the earth has been colder and warmer than it is now out eons before people were on the earth that we that our climate in this massive beautiful plant uh, planet has had much higher levels of co2 before now and so instead of having the debate and the discussion, actual exchange of ideas and data, the left cannot tolerate list having to listen to facts. They can't tolerate having the debate because the facts don't back up what they are pushing. So she, back to Cori Bush, member of Congress, instead of talking about why fossil fuels are bad and what is the argument about CO2 and what is the reason CO2 and fossil fuels should be, you know, fossil fuels should be eliminated tomorrow, what is the argument CO2 is really hurting us, she doesn't have any facts and she knows she doesn't have any facts. So what the left is doing is conflating, to borrow their word, conflating climate science and race. Essentially, if you want fossil fuels, if you want to have abundant fossil fuels available, then you must be a racist. And this has actually been picked up on by the most astonishing thing I'll quickly tell you in wrapping up the first five. There is now a professor uh, named Cara Daggett at Virginia Tech. Her, uh, she's a professor of, she's a climate sociologist. I can make a lot of smart aleck comments, but I won't. But she's a climate sociologist, and she's making the argument literally in what she would allege are academic, academic journals, journals that reflect academic thought. She's making the argument that essentially there's a tight relationship between harmful forms of masculinity, right-wing right -wing extremism, and the refusal to deal with climate crisis. So again, her argument is, because you won't accept the facts we assert about the climate, and we can't defend the facts because every bit of research that turns up keeps on pointing out there is not the alarmist agenda, there is not the extreme uh, disaster the world's facing that the climate alarmists are trying to push, and because she can't win that argument, she's now turning to the idea, well, it's mostly white people who are right-wing extremists, um, and on top of that, they're racist, and, that's, and so they must be called her new term, she's trying to coin a new term, petromasculinity. I'm not kidding. Petromasculinity. You see, you're a racist if you won't go along with a climate agenda. And I'm describing this because I want to just close out the first five by saying this. I call this segment leftist lunacy because I like alliteration. It's kind of a cute term. But the truth is, when 
the whole concept of Western civilization cannot be discussed. You can't discuss the merits of Western civilization, the commitment to individual freedom, and the rights of man to live in freedom, and the equality of all people, and God-given rights to everyone. You can't discuss those things or else you're a racist. This is the argument they're making. It's way beyond lunacy. It's actually a very serious observation I want to make about this, which is this is a practiced, deliberate, tyrannical tactic of censorship and silencing and intimidation. That is what the left is engaged in, all in their alleged mission to speak about climate and somehow tie climate, only a leftist lunatic could do this, but tie climate to racism and accuse people who want to have abundant fossil fuel as somehow being racist. The danger is, because I watched Cori Bush ask her question. She didn't ask the question. She gave a speech. I don't have any idea if she's actually believes this stuff, doesn't ever research, doesn't ever learn the facts, doesn't ever understand what she's saying makes no sense. So she may just be, you know, she may be just a, a, a I mean, she is a socialist. She's a Democrat socialist. Maybe she is just completely committed to the destruction of freedom in America that will flow from the destruction of the fossil fuel industry. So I don't know if she's that much of a Marxist. She's happy to have the climate policy really destroy freedom in America, which is what the left's Green New Deal policy will do. It will destroy your freedom. Or she's just one of Lenin's useful idiots who's been given talking points, told to say what she said, and has absolutely no idea what she's talking about. Either way, her attitude, her ideas are outrageous and wrong in America. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five or more. Okay, 12. This happens on the first five. I want to introduce, we have a guest in studio today, and I've actually known him for quite a while. He's a great friend and a great guy. He's a Dallas person. Uh, his name is Benji Gershom, and he founded a group in Dallas called the Dallas Jewish Conservatives. Dallas Jewish Conservatives. And it's kind of been, it's one of the groups, and he first created it, that, you know, they had events here and there, but it has really become one of the prominent organizations in Dallas, bringing enormously interesting speakers on all sorts of issues. Um, and it's not just, he doesn't only invite the Dallas um, Jewish community, he invites everyone's welcome to come to the events, but they really kind of stormed onto the scene in Dallas and made an, a very significant difference for many people in hearing speakers uh, on many important issues outside of the political circles, outside of the political parties. So welcome to the show, Benji Gershom. Hi, Benji. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm glad you're here. Fun to have you. Appreciate it. And yeah, no, you, and I'm just, I'm thrilled that you're here. So I'm going to just start with, I really mean that about, I mean, it used to be there were clubs, the Republicans, the Democrats, or maybe, I don't know what the other clubs were, mm. but Dallas Jewish Conservatives has become like a thing. Like everyone knows they want to be on your schedule. They want to get your emails. They want to know who you're bringing here. So first of all, when and why did you start this group? Sure. So there is a major void in the marketplace um, for Jewish conservatives to be able to speak their mind and not feel like they're being lambasted by the left by expressing their opinions and ideas, uh, mostly conservative leading, you know? So I was like, there's got to be something out there, right? So <laughs> I looked around, there was nothing. Um, it started out as a social group. Our first meeting was at Top Golf in Dallas with about 10 oh, people. Really? <laughs> yep. And um, quickly, over the last almost now six years, we've been doing speaker series events, Jewish holiday events, Israel fundraisers, candidate forums. It's kind of grown into this incredible organization through uh, just <clears throat> word of mouth and, and marketing grassroots efforts. Um, and so, but that's why I started because I really, you know, Jewish conservatives needed a voice in the city. Yeah. Well, I love that answer. Jewish conservatives need a voice. And I'll also say, and it's a little bit, it's true of women, although much less so, but I would imagine, I mean, there, I have uh, Jewish friends who lamented over the years, why do most Americans who are Jewish vote Democrat or, or, and they're liberals? Why is that? So I would think there'd be some sense in the Jewish community, really in, around the country, not just Dallas, that you're not too sure you have allies in the Jewish community who are on board. Do you think that's also... True. Well, so that's the, that's the million dollar question. Like, why do so many of my Jewish brothers and sisters still vote Democrat? Um, and there's not one specific answer, but I think some of it ties back to um, the rate of Jews that are not affiliated with their religion, with Judaism, not knowing the, you know, the Bible, not knowing the Torah, um, not knowing their history, 
it's also being something that's being preached in, in the synagogues, at least in the Reform Conservative synagogues. Uh, I'll, I'll probably get some flack for saying that, but I don't care because it's the truth. I mean, they're willing to be social justice warriors before they're Jews. And for me, I'm a Jew first, and then I'm an American, and then I'm a conservative. So for me, it's, it's all about you know speaking the truth, telling the facts, but people – it's like an echo chamber. I think that's part of the problem. You have to be able to be open-minded, and that's why, you know, I grew up watching <laughs> my parents on CNN and, and MSDNC, as they say, and I quickly realized there's got to be more to, to life than this, and so I started looking at Mark Levin and Ben Shapiro and Dennis Prager, and I was like, wow, I agree a lot more with these guys than, than the left, the, the things I'm watching on CNN and other channels, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I love that you've done this. And actually, I didn't know about the Top Golf kickoff. That's kind of yeah. fun. Um, but you really have over the years, you you put on and say, what did you say, six years? I mean, almost six years now. Yeah. 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 The events. I mean, people wait to see who you're having next. And so um, I want to mention a couple of them coming up. And then I want to hear about which ones you thought were the most home run or thought changing. Uh, one that's coming up, and I don't know if people, you can, I don't know if you can zero in on this or not, Mr. Producer. Yes, you can. Okay. This is coming up in Dallas. And um, I will tell you that uh, that this, yeah, this is, as my grandmother, the English teacher taught me to say, this is I, this is Debbie Georgettis. I get to be the moderator for this one. But this one is on, it's called America. We have a problem, the COVID-19 vaccine cover-up public health failures and the implications on our future. I mean, they, I'm not talking, they don't do just, you know, kind of soft, easy issues. They hit the, in this Dallas Jewish Conservatives, they hit big issues. So they've had prominent doctors coming uh, and also a woman who is a strong advocate for uh, vaccine choice for parents and families. So that's a kind of event they have. And um, then they have another one coming up. This is, I guess, not yet really official yet, but they're gonna be talking about, this one relates to Israel. And I'm gonna hold this up because it's a cool flyer. You can zoom, yeah. Okay, tell us about the one about Israel. What's that one going to be about? Yeah, so tickets go on sale tonight for this uh, big Israel 75th anniversary. It's a huge deal. We're going to wow. be having uh, Israeli wine tastings imported from Israel. Uh, comedian, Jewish comedian Eric Golubs is coming in. Um, there's going to be a whole biblical presentation that ties the wines to the land of Israel, which is going to be really exciting. So, yeah, come check it out. I love that. I know one group that does the ties the wine to Israel. Um, Hayoval. It's not that group? It's not that group. Israeli Good Wine is who we're partnering with on this one, yeah. Okay. I love this. And I'll tell you, what's also a really great thing is that I attend a lot of your um, meetings. I think they're wonderful. And whether I'm moderating or not, I think they're so informative. And it's really kind of a bonding thing for Jews and Christians, the, the events you have, because it's about conservatism, what you believe in, uh, in terms of what direction you want the country to take, what policies. I mean, it, it has a great feel to it and i think that's really healthy the, the bonding of jews and christians in dallas and um and you know just i mean all around the country but the feeling that we have much more commonality and we respect each other the differences in our theology but we respect the the common love of the bible and the, yeah. yeah i think yeah i mean a, any friend that's a, a friend of the jewish people a friend of israel is a friend of mine that's that's my motto and our shared judeo-christian values so important to our organization we're pro-god we're pro-Constitution, we're pro-America, um, we're pro-Israel, obviously. So it's it's all those commonalities, those common bonds that really make the group really special. And uh, that's why we have people from all walks of life um, coming to our events and enjoying them. Yeah. Oh, and, and people just, just love them. We usually leave time for the Q&A. Uh, and we, was, <laughs> anyway, it was funny the other night. I, I moderated one the other night and we honestly- went over, but that's okay. We, we did go a little tiny bit over, yeah. But the, but it was people were it was actually about election integrity, another issue people are deeply passionate about. They wanted to hear the speakers, they wanted to ask their questions, and even after we ended late, then the people are standing up at the front trying to get a hold of the speakers. Yes. Can I ask one more thing? I, I love that. I love this. Is like the I use the expression the national political conversation. This is what's healthy about you know the robust exchange of ideas, and people don't have to agree. Unlike my story in the first segment, with you, you're basically you can't question climate change, you can't question uh, we get to call you a racist and you don't get to respond. I mean, these are just so unhealthy for, for our American republic. Okay, so tell us, you have I see you have a long list of, what, of shows you have, yes. programs you've done. So what are your two or three other top favorites? Well, some of the more recent ones, I guess I'll talk about those. Uh, we have the Jerusalem, the mayor from Jerusalem, uh, deputy mayor, I should say, R.E.A. King, talking about what's going on in the land of Israel and all the political aspects of that. Um, we've had events with Chris Salcedo and Mark Meckler, kind of a controversial topic, but Convention of States, um, 
these were both were sold out events. Uh, we had uh, we've had Dennis Prager, we've had Ted Cruz over the years. Uh, there's just a lot. There's a lot of stuff that we you do. You had Debbie Georgiatis. We had you. Yeah, see that? Okay, <laughs> that was the best one, right? No. You're the best moderator <laughs> and the best guest we've ever had. There's no question. Well, thank you very much. Yes. But on a serious note, you get great people, and I think actually for organizations, for candidate elected officials, for them, it's a really inviting idea because you're not just being invited to Republican club, mm -hmm. Republican meeting, but it's a whole bunch of people who you may not otherwise these candidates and officials may not ever get to talk to, but they are likely voters and the people you want to engage with. It's just a brilliant idea. Yeah, thank you. I mean, we had an event, for instance, on, on China and the leftist agenda with Kevin Freeman and Frank Gaffney, who I know you've had on your show as well. Um, we've had events that are candidate forums. We had something for the land commissioner race. Um, we had uh, congressional races that we've covered and we've done forums for them. So we, we just try to Try to stay on top of the current events, the current issues, and issues that conservatives care about in general. And it's been kind of our secret sauce is making sure that we're informing people, we're educating people, and we're keeping people uh, entertained at the same time. And so it's really worked well for us. Absolutely. And I'll tell you yeah. something else. As a veteran of many political events that cost too much money, you guys don't charge very much. I mean, I, I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, you, I guess you have to cover your costs. you got to do that at least. But I mean, these events are things where, wow, you heard pretty great speakers. And it doesn't cost that much. I mean, it's just amazing. Um, we have great partners. It's 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 a lot of work, as I'm sure you can un understand, putting on these events, but it's worth it. Um, my goal is to make sure that people are having, obviously, a good time, but also learning something. And they're taking away from something from the events themselves. But the uh, the partners we've had, from the venues into the production crew, that's it, how we're able to do what we do. You know, try to keep our costs low, but also we try to bring a lot of value to our members and our guests. Yeah, love that. I will tell you, had a really fun. What do we went to the Hanukkah? Something that the Hanukkah party, I think it was, um, and it was really. I assume the food was uh, kosher for everybody. Everything who, is kosher always. 100%. Yeah, uh, but it was fun. The food was good, and it really had. It was very festive. It wasn't just meeting speaker chop chop chop. Right. It was actually fun. So the, we had Catherine Engelbrecht and Greg, Greg Phillips. Another one I moderated. Yeah, yeah, that was incredible. Am I getting um, some brownie points here? You're getting some brownie <laughs> points. <laughs> Absolutely, but. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we do all the fun ones, too. We do all the Jewish holiday events. A Sukkot party, we had Todd Benzman, fantastic author, uh, commentator on what's going on at the border. So we really try to bring in speakers who are not just on the circuit all the time. They're, they're interesting, they're dynamic, and they really highlight the, the important issues so people are educated on what's going on. Yeah, I had him on my show, too. He's doing yeah. Todd Benzman, yeah. Incredible. So, you know, I was just thinking, I, right before we came on air, actually, I was thinking about how, you know, what you've done here is really, as I mentioned, it's just really taken off. There's no reason that this setup you've made in Dallas, it could be kind of like a role model. I mean, I mean, wherever you're listening to this, we have listeners all over America. If you're saying they're thinking, well, I could do this, it's an amazing idea. Just pull a group together and, and you have just a core. I see you have a core that kind of helps you get things going, but you know, form a group that is outside the political realm and is is not, you know, square on R or D, but just issues that we care about and, and gather some conservatives together. I mean, if the the commonality of the Jewish factor, if that could be around America, that'd be great. So, so, so you must have uh, been pr primed before we went on air about what I'm about to announce next, which is that we're going to be launching into American Jewish conservatives in a couple of months. So this is a formula that's replicatable, something that I am deeply invested in. So I want to take this nationally and you're hearing it first for the first I, time. I, I, I did not know this. <laughs> not, I've said it to a few people. We've got a big event coming out, so stay tuned for all the details. But I'm working on a brand new website, membership structure, partnership structure. But we're launching into American Jewish conservatives in a couple of months. And so we want to take this nationally because I got people, and I'm sure, I think I've told you this before, uh, we have folks coming from Oklahoma and Louisiana to our events. And they're oh, like, yeah. why don't we have a chapter in our state? And I've been hearing this from other people that want to participate, you know, virtually. And I'm like, we just need to launch American Jewish Conservatives, and let's do it. Let's go for it. I love it. And yeah. no, I did not have one clue, so now I do. Okay, yeah. so if people want to find you, I think we have. If you can put that Chiron up, um, I want to make sure people can find you. Uh, your website is DallasJewishConservatives.com, right. and if they go there, they find your upcoming events. I assume. Yes. And is it is it a thing you join? I don't even know this, and we just right now it's free to be a member. Uh, again, stay tuned. There's going to be some new announcements and new developments coming out soon with membership and partnership. But right now, it's free to be a member. You, you can subscribe to our email list on the website, check out all of our events, uh, donate, check out the merch, etc.
You have merchandise? Uh, coming out soon also. <laughs> That's what I've been saying with my show for about six months. Coming soon, we have some merchandise. We get the, Actually, I didn't mention to you, we have the, the Dallas Kosher Chili Cook-Off. We're going to have a big vendor booth uh, on March 19th. It actually attracts thousands of both Jews and Christians across the Metroplex. So March 19th, we'll have a booth there with merchandise and exclusive event discounts. So come to that also. I love that. So the, yeah. the uh, Kosher Chili Cook-Off, this is on Hillcrest, that yeah, same place? Yeah, it's at uh, Congregation to Ferret Israel, Hillcrest and Royal area. Yeah, I've been, we used to live near there, and yeah. I, I've been there. In fact, I, we walked up there, I believe, one time. Okay, anyway, uh, Benji Gershon, I congratulate you for what you've created in Dallas Jewish Conservatives. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. It is so impressive, and I really, I encourage you, wherever you are, think about how can we start that where we are. So, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for so much for coming in. Thank you. Appreciate it. Okay, folks, I'm going to hit two other topics, and I'm just going to tell you, I, uh, when I got in here, uh, my extremely wonderful producer has a lot of patience with me. I said right before you we went on air, I want to change the order of these topics um, because I think it'll be a little more compelling. So uh, what we're going to talk about next is Tucker, as in Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson's j Sick tapes are ruining everything. And the reason I described it that way and what I want to talk about is this idea that what has happened recently, you likely know, is that when Tucker Carlson was given access to the tapes from the U.S. Capitol by, uh, by Speaker Kevin McCarthy, um, which I still object, he, Speaker McCarthy should have released them to everybody, not just Tucker, but I'll take it. And Tucker has recently said he's going to be uh, releasing them to, uh, over time, little by little, by little uh, to various um, news outlets. I don't know how it's going to work. But I want to talk about a little bit about what the impact has been. So I mentioned yesterday, and I think this is really worthy of remembering again, that Dr. Naomi Wolf, who is a longtime liberal, a longtime leftist, love Bill Clinton, love Al Gore, you know, she calls herself a third wave feminist, and she's also someone who had, you know, she's a Yale person, an Oxford person. She was a total leftist. She got a little bit fired up when she became part of the effort to try to force Pfizer, the pharmaceutical company, to release their data related to their testing of the COVID vaccines. And as you likely recall, litigation goes on. Uh, Pfizer said they could not release their testing data on the COVID vaccines. They asked the judge to allow them to wait 75 years. And of all astonishing, uh, just evidence of astonishing corruption um, and agency capture, the FDA or the CDC, CDC joined in the motion, joined in the motion by Pfizer saying they should get to wait 75 years before they have to release their information. And a judge, thank goodness, a judge said, are you kidding me? By the end of this year. So Pfizer's forced to release the data. I'm going to this before I go back to January 6th to say what this really did, this really did uh, for Dr. Naomi Wolf and others because she dove into that or dived in to that data and hired people, hired a team of people to review this massive, massive pile of data released by Pfizer, which essentially showed that Pfizer knew all along how deadly and dangerous those COVID vaccines were. They knew. They had data they hid. They had deaths they hid. They had injuries they hid. And she's outraged about this. She cannot believe that this company in cahoots with the FDA, CDC, NIH, Dr. Fauci got away with producing these vaccines are so deadly and basically without the tenacity and determination of the people who sued to get the data from Pfizer and without a judge saying, yeah, you actually have to release it, she and the entire American public would never have known what Pfizer knew all along. Well, Naomi Wolf has a new revelation now, as I mentioned yesterday. She's been watching the January 6th tapes released by, piece by piece, released by Tucker Carlson. And what it has caused her to realize is that she was lied to. That the entire narrative surrounding January 6th, 2021, was a lie. She calls it that. I reviewed my show yesterday, I think it was, uh, what Naomi Wolf had to say about this. She, she wrote a, a brilliant piece and put it out on her Substack basically saying that she was apologizing to America, to conservatives, and to the MAGA movement 
because she had listened to news from NPR, MSNBC, and the New York Times and thought she was informed and realized once she saw first the Pfizer information and now the January 6th tapes that she has been lied to by the media she trusted for decades. And she particularly pointed out about January 6th, lied to about uh, that it was an insurrection, obviously not lied to about the idea that it was a uh, orchestrated by Donald Trump. Obviously not. She goes through lie after lie after lie and, and tells the truth and apologizes to America for everything she's said and done about it. So then I want to turn to the January 6th things because what is being released by Tucker Carlson, it is influencing the, uh, what the writing and thinking of Dr. Naomi Wolf. But there are a lot of other people watching things for the first time and actually people who believed all along with the January 6th Inquisition committee. They were not an investigation. They were inquisitors. They were the. They were there to try to destroy people. And there are three clips we're going to play. I believe my happy. Yes, my happy producer does have them. Uh, my wonderful producer Emilio, who is always on top of things, even when I switch things around. So one is this first clip. This is the QAnon shaman guy, the one who uh, the media calls QAnon shaman for whatever reason. He dresses in the very bizarrely with the horns and all that. Let's play that clip first. Okay, you can cut him off. What he's saying, I know this sounds a little muffled. This is that guy. If you're if you're watching, you can see his his picture. If you're listening on radio, first of all, if you're listening on radio, thank you for listening. But that guy, that's a QAnon shaman, the guy who always dressed in those horns and the animal, whatever it is he has on. But he is leaving the Capitol that day. Leaving the Capitol. He's outside the Capitol and he's got the microphone and he's speaking into the microphone, reading a tweet that Donald Trump put out. And he's telling people, Donald Trump said to go home. Everybody go home. Donald Trump said to go home. Donald Trump said, we, the Republicans, we are the party of law and order. Time to go home. So I want you to remember again, QAnon Shaman, that guy, he is serving up to four years in a at prison term in federal prison and for his actions that day, and he was the most scalding uh, lecture was given to him as he's being sentenced, that he was, according to the judge who sentenced him, described as the leader. He was the leader of this insurrection. There was no insurrection, which is now Dr. Naomi Wolf and everybody else paying attention realized there was no insurrection. And he's telling people to leave and go home because Donald Trump said we're the party of law and order. And the other pieces we played the other day in the show, uh, same guy, Kunan Shaman, is being led around by, in fact, his last name is Chansley. His real name is Jacob Chansley. Jacob Chansley, he's a, he's a military veteran, and he's being led around the security cameras and the tapes were finally released to, uh, first to uh, Kevin McCarthy and then ultimately to Tucker Carlson, show Capitol Police leading this guy around, Jacob Chansley, leading him around the Capitol, opening the door to the U.S. Senate chambers, letting him go in there. They saw Chansley praying for the officers out loud in the Senate thing, saying thank you for them, keeping us safe. I don't remember all he said. But that guy is in federal prison. I want you to think about that. You talk about people losing control of the country, losing our commitment to freedom. Jacob Chansley, losing our rule of law, it's a perfect example. Uh, similar, there's another video. Uh, this is uh, the second one I sent you, Mr. Um, Emilio. Uh, and I'm just going to tell you, it says Antifa. The Antifa people are in black clad. And I just want to show you how they were being treated by the Trump supporters. And for our listeners, there's a scene on the Capitol steps. The people who are dressed up as black clad and they are Antifa, the Trump supporters, all wearing Trump, MAGA, you know, hats and such, are pushing them away, pushing them away from the Capitol, saying, get away. 
because what they're coming to realize is these Antifa people had invaded the crowd and try to walk up the steps and pretend they're part of the Trump forces, and they are committing the violence. They, the black-clad Antifa people, and what the video shows is that the Trump supporters are pushing these people back. One more video, and then I have numerous points I want to make about it. One more video. Uh, this involves an interview of a guy who was there in Washington on January 6th, and he gave an interview, I believe this is that day, about what he saw. Let's play him. Hi there. Uh, this guy saw what just happened. Uh, he claims that it was Antifa dressed as Proud Boys, so I wanted to sort of get his Trump story. supporters, Trump supporters. They were dressed as Trump supporters, but I could tell by their conversation that they were looking to do, and I heard him say, we got to shake this up so that these people look bad, and I saw them break a window on the Capitol. I'm an emergency management coordinator in uh, Lehigh County, Pennsylvania, and these people were talking amongst themselves and I was standing and listening behind them what they could do to make Trump's people look bad. Wow, well, thank you for sharing. And then after I left, I'm like, I'm out of here, okay? And then I started walking away. I heard something else. I heard somebody trying to, them trying to break another window. I don't know if they actually broke the second window, but I heard something hit a second window. Did you see any of the mob violence that happened? Uh, that, yeah, I was, I was, that was on the other side of the Capitol building. So there were people climbing up the scaffolding. And uh, a, a lot of Trump's people started saying, Something's, these, these aren't our people, and started walking away. And they were tearing the plastic, cutting the plastic. And uh, then they, uh, the, the, the Capitol Police uh, let some tear gas go and uh, got it under control. But they weren't Trump supporters, I'm telling you. They weren't Trump supporters. Wow. Trump supporters were walking away. These are people that are trying to get promote the false narrative that Trump's people are acting like Antifa and BLM. Okay, I might pray, play that every day for the rest of my life. I want you to understand, first of all, I want to tell your listeners, I actually owe our listeners an apology, and I owe really a lot of people on January 6th in Washington an apology. I've assumed for the longest time that the people who engaged in breaking windows, who actually used you could, the videos that got shown by the media over and over and over and over and over, and they're smashing windows and climbing through. I assumed that the window smashing people, that the people climbing in the scaffolding and engaging in obviously uh, seemingly unlawful activity, we're all Trump supporters. I have said all along, well, a few Trump supporters might have gotten out of control, but mostly they were peaceful. I would like to correct that and say, I have no idea if any of the actual crime that occurred on January 6, 2021 was actually committed by Trump supporters. It may be that the Trump supporters, none of the Trump supporters engaged in all of the window breaking and violence that was a tiny number of people there, but none of them, it, it may be very true that the window breaking people the violent people were all Antifa and Black Lives Matter invaders. They were, in, you know, they got into the Trump, the, the pro-Trump crowd. And this, this, well, you just heard that guy talking about there. He's saying he heard them talking about how they had to pretend to look like Trump supporters and they had to do things that were bad to make the Trump supporters look bad. It's entirely possible that nothing that was violent in Washington that day was done by Trump supporters. It may have all been Antifa and Black Lives Matter people dressed up trying to look as though they were Trump supporters. In addition, we're aware now of the FBI invasion, the undercover FBI invasion of the Trump supporting crowd in Washington and their conduct may very much, may very, very well be part of what really went wrong that day. And I'm saying all that to say, this is going to be this, what really happened on January 6th, is going to be a fundamental issue to continue pursuing. The people who say, let's stop talking about it, it's over, we cannot do that. We cannot allow this, what seems to have been an orchestrated setup of the, of Jan on January 6th by many people in authority and by Antifa and Black Lives Matter, we can't let it go and and just say, well, you know, maybe a few bad actors, hard to sort out, we'll never figure out the history, we'll never know. 
there must continue to be investigations. I'm going to share with you tomorrow something I don't have time to get to today, but I'm going to share with you tomorrow uh, a piece uh, and the arguments in this piece that involve the idea of how completely orchestrated, I mean, timed, intending to have the violence occur, to allow uh, the timing of the, the parliamentary timing to happen. I'm going to get to that tomorrow because I don't have time to go into it today, but I really want today, I'm trying to deposit in your um, thinking cap and just encourage you to think about the idea that these January 6th tapes, these are vital to come out. And when you listen to the protest, even by Mitch McConnell, when you listen to him complain about Tucker Carlson playing the January 6th tapes, and as well as Chuck Schumer, you don't hear either of them. You don't hear them say, I think those tapes are false. I think those tapes are rigged. I think there's something, you know, they're not denying the truth of what those tapes are showing. They're just complaining that the American people are finally seeing them. That is what Chuck Schumer is complaining about. That is what Mitch McConnell is complaining about. Everybody in Capitol Hill who's wringing their hands and saying, this is terrible. You know, Tucker Carlson should stop. Fox should make him stop. He shouldn't be allowed to do this. They're not complaining that the videos are fake. They know perfectly well they're true. What they're complaining about is the eyes of the American people, including Dr. Naomi Wolf, but the eyes of the American people are being opened. We are seeing what really happened. We're seeing more detail about what happened. I am grateful for and praise Tucker Carlson for putting these videos out. I hope he does it sooner and longer and faster because we all need to see what really happened. Because what really appears to have happened is that the entire day of January 6, 2021 was a setup was a setup designed to do what not just the Democrats and the left want, but even many in the Uniparty in Washington, D.C. wanted. They wanted to seal Donald Trump's fate. They want to make the American people believe that Donald Trump incited an insurrection, which he didn't, and that the people who walked over, the Trump supporters who walked over from the ellipse to the Capitol, and then went inside the Capitol as doors were being held open. And as we saw from other Tucker Carlson tapes, people walking around inside, politely getting in line to go to different things, taking selfies of themselves. They, they did not want the American people, the left and all of the uh, deep state uniparty in Washington did not want the American people to realize what really happened on January 6th. They wanted to use the, what I believe was an orchestrated uh, event on January 6th as a weapon to send a message to the American people and to Trump and to Trump supporters that you are insurrectionists, we are going to paint you that way, you'll never get out of it, and we are going to paint you as absolutely positively not welcome in Washington forever and ever. And it was, a, it was designed not just to, to send a message about Trump and claim falsely claim that he instigated insurrection, but to claim there was an insurrection at all uh, was a lie, and to claim that he orchestrated it was a lie, and the goal ultimately was to get the American people to agree with themselves, well, Donald Trump just can't be in office, he just can't, I mean, look what he did. The entire narrative, as it, we continues to be exposed, as we continue to watch the, the tapes being released by, by Tucker Carlson, may really be the impetus for exposing the Uniparty in Washington, the people in both parties who are able and willing to use this event in Washington as an argument, as a means of forcing the conservative movement to shut down forcing a conservative movement, the populist movement that Donald Trump birthed in this country in 2015 and 2016 to shut it down. It matters a lot if the American people know what exactly happened on that January 6th. Okay, before I go on my last topic for the day, uh, which is about Mike Pence, but we're going to leave him alone for a moment, I want to share with you a couple of things. I do this show, America Can We Talk, four days a week, Monday through Thursday, 3 p.m. Central Time. And I work harder now than I did when I was a full-time litigator in California. I work harder now, and I don't get paid. This is the joy or the freedom of this, of this, uh, this uh, venue that I can do my show from. I don't get paid. If you appreciate what you learn on this show, if you enjoy what you learn, I want to urge you to consider supporting the show. And there are 
three or four ways to do that. One is just to go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, americacanwetalk.org. And on that homepage, click on subscribe, so you can subscribe to our weekly newsletter. It's a great way to see the shows that you might have missed during the week. It's a great way when you get the email once a week to forward that email to your friends so they see learn about the show. It's a great way to share the show and that you can link right from that uh, in, at email to all the interviews we've done. Second is you can become a member of America Can We Talk for a mere $50 a year, $50 a year. It's nothing in the grand scheme of your year. You can join America Can We Talk. It's a way to financially support this show. Given this lovely studio, the very professional producer, everything I do here, it actually costs money. And if you like to support this show, you can number one, join from your $50 a year, and you can also donate to support this show. I urge you to consider doing that. Donate to support this show. It's a donation that keeps this show going. It keeps us able to fly in great guests, us able to pay for this beautiful studio, and for me to continue speaking truth about America. There are also two ways that you can support this show that are actually involve you receiving something of benefit I think you will actually like. Uh, one is from my pillow. And I want you to consider, go to the website, mypillow.com, mypillow.com. And at mypillow.com, you will see that, that the, uh, it is the online catalog, essentially, for all the products made by MyPillow, Mike Lindell's group. But it has far more than just pillows. It has pillows, bath towels, bathrobes, slippers, sheets, um, uh, mattress covers. It has a whole plethora, a large number of wonderful uh, products. And when you go to MyPillow.com, you can choose the ones you want. And as you're checking out, when you're checking out, they ask for a promo code. Put in Debbie G, D-E-B-B-I-E-G, Debbie G. And when you do that, you'll get up to 66% off on your entire purchase. Every item up to 66% off. I get a small payment. You get high quality products delivered to your door. Please go to MyPillow.com. It's a great way to support the show and a great way to support the effort to keep the show on air and you'll get great products to your front door. I also want to consider that, ask you to consider uh, another way to support this show is to go to another website, uh, which is called Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile is a Texas-based company. Uh, Patriot Mobile, the beautiful thing about Patriot Mobile is that they are... They're a, a cell phone service company, and you can switch, you can keep your same cell phone and your same cell phone number and switch your service to whoever your provider is and switch it over instead to Patriot Mobile. And when you're on Patriot Mobile, uh, you can go through and choose anything that you, um, any the variety of packages they have that allow you um, at Patriot Mobile, um, allows you to uh, go forward and choose a package of, that you can afford and the great thing, the reason Patriots go to Patriot Mobile is that you can, at Patriot Mobile, you can know that the money that they make, the donations they make, support causes you like. At PatriotMobile.com, the short story is this. The founders of Patriot Mobile make donations only to causes conservatives actually like. You will not have your current cell phone provider company. Believe me, they are making donations to private foundations, liberal causes that you would never in one million years support. But if you go to patriotmobile.com, you'll, you'll find great packages, uh, offer that you can choose a package that fits your budget. You can keep your same phone. They are cell phone providers. They have they use the same cell towers that your cell phone company uses, so the quality of service will stay the same. And at Patriot Mobile, you are lining up with Patriots. You're aligning with Patriots. So go to PatriotMobile.com. And what you want to do there, PatriotMobile.com slash Debbie G, D-E-B-B-I-E-G. When you use that as a promo code, Debbie G, D-E-B-B-I-E-G, they will waive your entire initiation fee. So you get a good break. You get better. You get wonderful cell phone coverage. And you are know the peace of mind knowing that your money, your dollars are going to support conservative causes. My husband and I switched to patriotmobile.com. 
I would not tell you, I wouldn't invite you to go there unless you, unless I had tried it myself, unless we tried it ourselves, and we like PatriotMobile.com. It's a great patriotic thing to do. I strongly urge you, go to PatriotMobile.com. Okay, I had to get those in for my last topic, and I called this topic um, Mike Pence's Struggle for Relevance. And I'll tell you, there was a recent um, event, uh, Mike Pence spoke, and it was at the, um, I think it was um, at the uh, Gridiron Dinner. So he's, you know, Gridiron is, I won't even go into Gridiron is, you probably know what it is, but you know, it's in Washington, and they uh, blather on about politics, and they think they're very funny. But this is an event at Capitol Hill, and Mike Pence is there um, speaking at the Gridiron Dinner. And this is a, a, a an annual uh, event with media and uh, elected politicians, and I think Trump, um, I, I think he might have skipped all four years when he was president because it's just full of liberal snark. It's not, I mean, it's full of journalists who are left-wing propaganda media journalists who show up to make fun of conservatives. And the humor there is always, if it's conservatives being roasted, it's nasty and mean. When it's leftists being roasted, it's cute and funny. This is not a fun place for a serious conservative to ever consider going. But so Mike Pence felt perfectly at home. So Mike Pence goes, he spoke at Gridiron, and the thing he said, he referred to January 6th, and his quote was, referring to President Trump, his reckless words endangered my family. History will hold Donald Trump accountable. And I have to tell you folks, in every poll I have seen, so before I get off that, so Pence is at an opportunity He's sitting there talking to a room full of journalists. He knows his words are going to be repeated. And he is widely rumored to be considering running for president for 2024. He has not declared, but, you know, it's his been dream job. He ran before. He's run in the past. It's his, he thinks he deserves to be president. So he's speaking at Gridiron and knowing he's surrounded by a bunch of left-wingers. That's who Gridiron is. Maybe some, you know, alleged Republicans show up, but they're not serious conservatives. So he shows up, and of all the messages he could give, of all the things he could have chosen to talk about, of all the things he could have tried to say about the need to bring America together, or the need to secure our border, or the need to get the truth about January 6th, his choice was to take a pot shot, a, a really nasty pot shot, at President Trump, and his again his words, his reckless words endangered my family. History will hold Donald Trump accountable. What Mike Pence is doing is trying to carve out his place in the world of we hate Donald Trump alleged Republicans. He is carving himself out saying, this is my political identity. I am a, I hate Donald Trump and you should too, Republican. Now, I don't know what he's thinking. If he's thinking that, you know, that's really a majority of Republicans in this country, but if there was even the slightest chance that any Trump supporter would have considered supporting Pence in the 2024 presidential election, I mean, he's, he's written, not only has he written it off, he chose to do that. He chose to take this opportunity when everything's being recorded at Gridiron to say, you know, essentially, I'm done with this guy and, and I blame him for January 6th. Now, I don't know if Mike Pence has access to a computer. I don't know if he knows how to use the internet. I don't know if he reads anything, but anyone paying attention this week, and recognizing what Tucker Carlson is putting out about all that really happened on January 6th. And I know he's aware of Donald Trump's words at that day, at the when Trump is still speaking at the ellipse, words essentially saying, you know, march patriotically and peacefully. Is he aware that that's what Trump said to do? Well, he's really lamenting as that these Trump supporters got over to the Capitol and were embarrassing him, Mike Pence, because they wanted Mike Pence to consider putting the, uh, sending the Electoral College vote back to the states where some states have been saying they question the electoral outcome. All I'll say about this, he could have said a lot of things. He could have said, look, I know a lot of conservatives who supported Donald Trump were disappointed in my decision that day. I know they were disappointed because I, Mike Pence, concluded that the Constitution did not allow me to send the vote back to the states, even when some of the states were saying, we think we had a fraud in our state. He could have said, I didn't have the right to do that. I honored the constitution, but I understand why Trump supporters were concerned. He could have said a lot of things that left him in the realm of 
you know, I've tried to do my job. I'm noble. But he is joining the ranks of the I hate Trump uh, faction of the Republican Party. I don't think he realizes how tiny that faction is. Even people today who say, I, I don't want to vote for Trump. I don't think Trump's the right guy. I don't, you know, I'm going to choose somebody else in 2024. They don't want to hear this kind of garbage out of Mike Pence. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear the way Mike Pence would blame Trump for what happened on January 6th, especially now, as he should know if he uses the internet, which I have no idea if he does, what is coming out in the January 6th tapes. What's coming out from Tucker Carlson? And this is a guy who's just, he's staked his ground. He's nailed himself in the ground, which is, you know, I am completely committed to, um, to destroying Trump, to hating Trump, to convincing the American people to believe the lie about January 6th that was an insurrection and that it was Trump's fault. Maybe someone should send him a link to what uh, Naomi Wolf wrote, what she figured out a leftist figured out about what happened on January 6th. I just think, you know, folks, I'm going to be out of time to do it today. I'm going to do this tomorrow. I'm going to cover this, uh, both the parliamentary issue regarding January 6th and this other uh, bit of information related to Mike Pence. There was a brilliant article by one of the best writers on Substack, Emerald Robinson, Emerald Robinson, one of the best writers in Substack. And she has a uh, piece out called The Treachery of Vice President Mike Pence Explained. I was going to go over that today, but I'm out of time to do that, and I don't want to give it short shrift. I want to go through and explain these points she's making, because Mike Pence's treachery did not start on January 6th. Mike Pence's treachery goes all the way back to Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. It goes back to the Ukraine impeachment. It goes back a long time into the Trump presidency when Vice President Pence is supposed to be allegedly supporting President Trump. And he wasn't. He worked way out of his way to undermine and actually attack President Trump. More on that tomorrow because I want to be sure today um, that I have time to do a few things before our radio listeners go off. Number one, radio listeners, you go off at three minutes before top of the hour. So this is about the end of the show uh, from your end. So I want to urge you, radio listeners and everyone, to go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, americacanwetalk.org. At that website, you can listen to past shows. You can listen to past interviews. You can sign up for the newsletter. And before you go off, I want to urge you to tune into the show every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time. Uh, and I thank you so much for listening on radio. For everybody else, what we do every day, we close out the show by telling you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we start our show today. Um, leftist lunacy uh, conflating race and uh, climate, climate and race. Democrat Cori Bush castigates energy expert for not recognizing racism in the climate change impact. Leftist academic rights of Petro-masculinity. I mean, just so absurd. It's laughable. Leftism has descended into completely unserious moral idiocy. They're infantile children with no idea how the world works. Imaginary, pretend worldview will destroy everything it is allowed to govern. America is running out of time to remove this nonsense. It is being force-fed down the throats of traditional America. Americans must find the will and strength to reverse course. And then we talked about Mike Pence's struggle for relevance. The Uniparty knows the J6 insurrection narrative is crumbling. So roll out the air quotes, honorable Mike Pence, to blame Trump for January 6th threat to Pence and his family. The growing MAGA base has been overwhelming, has seen overwhelming evidence that the 2020 election was stolen, accelerating evidence that January 6th rioting was a uniparty deep state operation. Read, and this is from uh, Conservative Treehouse, read this, the parliament, parliamentary motive behind the J6 Fed surrection. I'm going to go over it tomorrow on the show. Pence's alignment with Biden is legit, and J6 was a violent insurrection, has ended his GOP career. Again, Pence's alignment with Biden is legitimate, which is what he was saying on January 6th and after he said that, and J6 was a violent insurrection, has ended Mike Pence's GOP career, though he may not know it yet. Few politicians have had an image so inconsistent with who they really are. Pence betrayed his country to maintain his position as a uniparty elite. And finally, Tucker's J6, <clears throat> excuse me, 
uh, tapes are ruining everything. Ripple effect from Carlson's release of J6 video is spreading. A list of lies now exposed. Deadly insurrection. Only deadly to Ashley Babbitt and Trump supporters. Jacob Chansley, a.k.a. QAnon shaman. Not violent. Not rioting. Urging everyone to go home. Brian Sicknick, upright and walking around after media reported him as having been murdered via a head blow from Trump supporter wielding the fire extinguisher, which the D.C. Uh, coroner said never happened. Ray Epps, clearly a ringleader of capital entry, but never prosecuted an obvious Fed agent. Josh Hawley, falsely portrayed as a coward, was merely the last among many others who fled. Loudermilk, reconnaissance tours, completely harmless and mostly false. Nancy Pelosi, clearly involved in the setup, involved in the setup and the lack of police National Guard response, but not accountable. J6 committee, chairman says they never looked at the tapes. Evidence is accumulating. There may not have been even one Trump supporter actually engaged in violence. The entire J6 event appears to have been staged with all violent acts done by Antifa members impersonating Trump supporters. The level of apparent U.S. government corruption duplicity is staggering. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. I want to make a plug for Thursday's show. This coming Thursday, we have a guest in studio, Garrett Ziegler, former White House official who's written a book that lays out the entire Hunter Biden laptop. This will be a barn burner. I cannot wait for that show. Do tune in Thursday for Garrett Ziegler and tune in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America? Can you